everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. I write all about outdoor adventure and fitness and nutrition and all that fun stuff. Occasionally do a lot of that fun stuff, and currently I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach. Also in Madison, Wisconsin. Not that we live here, just that we happen to be here. Well, I left my heart in California or someplace. I don't know. Don't think that's the quote. No. Anyway, we are here sort of making our way back towards Ontario after Mountain Bike Nationals in Canmore, Alberta, where Peter had a great race. He finished seventh and I think pretty happy with the results of the week. Yeah, I mean, I always say if I get some air and skid, then it was a good day. So I was getting some, some air and did skid. It was quite sandy and not sandy, but like dry. Almost a little too much air a couple times. Yeah, I got a little sandy, as the kids say, on the mm. opening lap of the race. There's a sh- the start loop, so to get everyone sort of organized and less chaotic before we go into single track, there was a large double track climb, and then we sort of looped into the course and went through sort of a flow, jumpy, berm-covered section. Uh, or what you might call a machine section and so I the jumps were pretty short and yeah the first one I went uh, I saw Evan Guthrie one of my favorite people to ride with was ahead of me and he got pretty big air so I was like well I'm gonna beat this air and this is like a minute into the race and everyone's cross-eyed because we just were like climbing up a vertical hill uh yeah so I landed pretty flat and basically had to pull myself from being quite over top of the handlebars basically my face on my front tire yeah yeah otherwise good race um on the note of that big hill though just a few days ahead of that i was actually running up that hill in, yeah uh, you did like a wednesday night run yeah canmore has uh, this monthly wednesday night series that's i think it's i believe it's called the first 49 so it's only 49 people are allowed in it um just i mean first come first serve and really sweet trail run on pretty much a lot of the same course that Peter would have been racing on Saturday. Um, yeah, so I haven't done a 5K in a lot of years and haven't really done a whole lot of trail racing ever. So, you know, went into it with kind of zero expectations and no real plan other than to eye up whoever looked kind of fast as far as the women who were lining up went and attempt to stay with them, which I could not, but it was a good tactic because I ended up still kind of in that, like, lead-ish pack, we'll say. Are they limited because of, like, conservation, or what is the reason for I think it's just an insurance thing. If it's an event over 50 people, it's just a different ball game. Hmm. So I'm not sure what the exact thing is. That's just what I was told, actually, at the running store where I got some new trail shoes earlier that week. So shout-out to Strides in Canmore, if anyone is ever there. It's a really good running store. Yeah, it's right across from the grocery store and also beside the large coffee chain store that we all frequent um anyway it's a good location i guess yeah so i got that done got in a lot of running and now that we're on our way back my legs are a little grumpy from a couple days in the car but i i think that's sort of to be expected at this point they they had a big week so no no surprise there Um, And, thankfully, I was able to get some good mountain running tips from today's guest, Julian Carr. Uh, He's a skier-turned-skier-end mountain runner, I guess is the best way to put it. He started mountain running after mountain biking a bunch with his dog and decided to take up some sort of speed hike and then kind of mountain running stuff and then decided he wanted to start a series because there weren't that many non-ultra-style mountain run events. And he's interesting. He's a big air. You said like he, yeah. he jumps. Yeah. I mean, he does pretty much every kind of skiing, but he's most known for sort of the big mm. air stuff. I'm sure it's not, uh, he's not the only one, but it, it seems a little bit diverse, right? Like you, you would expect to see like someone who goes, you know, more cross country or back country skiing, you know, sort of gravitating to mountain running. So it's an interesting sort of combination he has. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point they got to stay fit somehow, no matter what sport it is, right? Well, and I guess that's the interesting thing now that all the limits are being pushed so much in sports, right? Like you're seeing that with a lot of the BMXers or, you know, road riding or in the the gym or things like that, right? So it's, 
it's interesting to see where you know you might be doing a, a less cool sport or something like that right yeah for sure yeah and i mean we talk about that we talk about sort of what strength training and mobility and stuff look like for him these days um, yeah, super interesting guy and a lot of really good advice about mountain running. So not ultra running, mountain running. So where you're going pretty much up a mountain, down a mountain. Well, and he's he's sort of looked at this more short distance, right? So you're yeah. like even 5 and 10K. So similar, I, I always sort of lament that, uh, I don't think I invented this at all, but the you know there's sort of this marathon jogging boom. I don't know if that was the, the 80s. Um and so basically we went from, you know, everyone used to do shorter distance running and then it became that, you know, volume or distance or time was the, that was the mark, right? Like how many times has, have any of us asked someone, you know, I'm a triathlete. Oh, have you done an Ironman? Right? Well, they yep. might be an Olympic triathlete who's never done an Ironman, right? They, they might be the person who holds the world record in a hundred meter sprint and they've never done a marathon race, right? So they, they might be a very athletic and accomplished person. So it's odd, and I, I, you know, we, we're as guilty as anyone at asking that, but it, it is sort of bringing it back to why not just go up a mountain really, really fast, um, or up a hill really, really fast. Right? I'll say, even in the days where I was actually like good at short distance triathlons, you'd get at, like I got asked all the time, "Oh, have you done an Ironman?" And I'd say no, and like before I could even explain, yeah. touch on like no, but I'm fast. I'd immediately get this kind of like look of like not pity, but just like. Mm. So you're not like a real triathlete. I don't even know if you need to be fast, right? But I think there's honor in, you know, dedicating yourself to perfecting or, or you know, improving well, yourself in a, a given discipline, right? And that, I think I said it to you last week, like the, the short distance stuff is, is very uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable in a different way. Mm-hmm. But there's like no hiding from, you know, you can't really zone out in a 5K run. Like you are, you are there, right? And I think that's uncomfortable not to overuse that word, but uncomfortable for a lot of folks. But it's 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 interesting. It's interesting that we've gone so far to the volume and you know huge endurance miles. Come to think of it, actually, what's funny is thinking about the past ten years. Say, cyclocross boomed for a while, and that's like a forty-minute race. Now, cyclocross is almost kind of fading, and gravel endurance racing is getting really popular, which is basically just you know, taking cyclocross and then adding a ton of volume to it. So a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going, it's hard to say, right? I think that's, it's sort of what enduro was maybe going to be um, before it became professionalized was, you know, it was, that's just how you ride, right? Is, you know, I think people are going out and. Yeah. I'm just saying though, the like allure of doing cyclocross races versus the allure of gravel kind of has that like 5k versus marathon sort of thing to it yeah it's hard to explain to someone that you race for 40 minutes and it was you know fairly athletic it was the hardest thing you've ever done in your entire life yeah no we're actually here in madison wisconsin which i've raced cyclocross a few times here uh it's home of trek bicycles is near it's in waterloo right technically Mm -hmm. um but I actually was telling Molly a story about a friend of mine. We were at the Chipotle across the road from here, and he went so hard in the, like, one-hour pro race um, that he could not eat his Chipotle, and I, I was able to eat his Chipotle. So I, I, I felt like, like I came away from the weekend with a win. Or you just did not go hard enough. I had no money or points from that weekend, but uh, <laughs> I did have that extra Chipotle. So, I mean, who's – yeah, you're right. Who's the real winner here? Yeah, so I mean, anyhow, let's let's dive into this. I think we have a great consummate athlete, um, you know, someone who's not a, he's maybe even a specialist in some of these, but he's obviously, you know, sort of gone endurance and he's got this big air, super coordination, super, you know, risky, stylish sport. So there's a lot of variation there. So also, excited for this one. Also a wicked stylish clothing company that we will get to. Oh, that's part of being a consummate athlete. You have to dress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. That's like the only place I can actually pass people. Like the technical, the better. I can cruise. And then once it gets back to like normal running on a road, people fly by me. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that does sort of make sense given your background. <laughs> that might have to do it. Yeah, just like maybe a little bit. The whole like skiing really yeah. fast downhills, yeah. you know. Yeah, that might help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Normally, I would keep bugging you about skiing because I'm super interested in that. But I kind of want to know how the heck you kind of went from skiing to like, okay, now I'm going to mountain run. Now I'm going to start a mountain run series. 
How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm just used to hiking up really cool um, peaks, essentially, for, uh, you know, skiing projects. And usually, um, you know, it's it's a cool, obvious peak. You get to the top, and then you soak in the view, and you ski down. Um, it usually takes... 30 minutes to a few hours or half the day to get up there. Um, and it's always like this great sense of accomplishment. It's usually always in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the summertime, uh, about five years ago, I was usually mountain biking in the kind of in the off season. Okay. And, yeah. and this is like really where the whole thing came from. Um, I've got this awesome dog. I took her on a few mountain bike rides, and she loved it, but I was like, this isn't very sustainable. So um, I was like, the older she gets, she can't just knock out these, like, sprinting 15-mile <laughs> bike rides. Fair enough, yeah. So I lived right, yeah, I lived right by the trailhead to Mount Olympus here in Salt Lake, and her and I started hiking Mount Olympus a lot. And a buddy of mine fights her uh, forest fires in the summer and so he said hey i see you're always on olympus we train on that and you can't even be like a part of our squad unless you can get up to like there's this stream that's uh about halfway up and he says if you can do it in under 30 minutes that's like what it is to get on their on their crew oh wow so yeah i was like oh i got this i'm like in shape you know and so i set off my next time hit start on my on my watch and just hiked as fast as i could um and I thought for sure I'd do it under 30. And anyway, I came in at like 31. So oh. I was like way pissed. I was like, what are you kidding me? And so I was hiking it, you know, three, four, five nights, sometimes even like every night. And I always had, I was like addicted to the clock. And, you know, I got under 30 minutes right away and then figured out all my buddies' best times were like in the 24 minutes. And... So I started just chipping away throughout that whole first kind of season, I guess you could call it, of mountain running. And that was five years ago in the spring. And so by the time fall came around, um, I was like down in the 24 minutes. I was like beating my friends times. And I was, you know, Mount Olympus is just straight up and straight down. So I was heading into a winter in better shape than I'd ever been. And I usually... I do a ski conditioning class every fall and I went into conditioning that year in better shape than I'd ever even left it. And it was from hiking Olympus just every day, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, I essentially realized that it was really fun. It wasn't like my friends and I'm like, Oh, I don't really run. I'm like, well, it's definitely different you know and I've mm-hmm. seen the best sunsets my whole life I was getting the best shape in my life and I was like man this is so cool um so like the last day before the kind of winter started this big storm was coming into the Salt Lake Valley and it was going to snow a few feet so I knew it was my last chance to go get Olympus before winter started and I started skiing a lot I went and did it and nailed it in like 22:51, and nice. it felt so good to get that fast and to beat all my friends and uh, it was just a cool feeling to get it like the last night po- possible night. Um, mm-hmm. And then that next spring, a buddy of mine, his wife, was like, hey, do you want to go do this trail run race? I see you're always trail running. Um, and it's down in Moab. And uh, I was like, well, is there any like elevation gain? And she's like, oh, not really. Maybe a couple hundred feet. And I was like, well, this sounds like a running race. I'm like, I'm not very run into it uh, I'm good you know and she was like well I signed you and, and Parker up so we're going <laughs> so, well, there like, oh, you go. Okay. <laughs> so we, yeah I went down there and camped and we had a good time and I uh, did the race and I was pretty fired up because I got second which I didn't expect and um, you know at the race I just noticed a few things there was three four hundred people there there was cost it wasn't that cheap and um you know, when we got done with the race, kind of we were the only people that backed our car up and, like, cracked the tailgate, had a few beers, and, like, rooted people through the finish line. And there was just no hangout vibes at all. And 
I could just tell people are finishing through the finish line. They're dying to have a good time. They were all 20, 30 year old happening people. And there's just no excuse for them to hang out other than to wait for their friends. So they waited for their friends and went home. And then they did this little thing where for my second place finish, I got a, you know, like $15 gift certificate to the local coffee shop there in Moab. Yeah. Not that I was looking for anything more, but I was like, man, for how expensive this was, there's just no production value going on here. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing cool about this race is literally, like, the race itself. Mm -hmm. So, it was just kind of a fleeting thought, but I was like, these organizers are, like, missing out on a huge, like, if I were them, I'd be worried about retaining people each year because literally there's nothing going on here other than the race. But Mm -hmm. it is beautiful enough, I guess, that people will come back, but... Um, anyway, I got, I got home and I was like, okay, cool. I got like this whole off season, you know, sport I can look into. And I thought I was fast at the time because I got second at that thing. And uh, I started Googling mountain running races and I was hoping to find some races that were similar, uh, or the equivalent of running up Mount Olympus and back down. So, you know, five, six, seven miles with two, three, four thousand vert. And all I found were the ultras, you know, the hundred yeah. milers and the 50 Ks and all these like long mountain races that were, I mean, I respect the people to do them. That's just not my cup of tea. And, uh, I was just shocked. I could, I literally could not find a single race that was under 10 miles with like three or 4,000 or nothing. Like the only thing I found was Mount Marathon up in Seward, Alaska that happens every July 4th and it's been going on for like 80 years and that's like 3,000 vert in two miles. <laughs> People like, that's a, that one's like so cool. If you ever look that one up, you got to check it out. Um, anyway, that's the only race I could find that was even close to what I was looking for. There was a few steeplechases and stuff like that that were like 15 miles with 5,000 vert but I was like, still, that's like not what I'm looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. And, so it was another fleeting thought, but I was like, oh, I should create the the Wasatch Classics mountain running series and have it be like up Grandeur and up Mount Olympus and all these mountains I'd been totally falling in love hiking up as fast as I could against the clock and having just the coolest sunsets, the best. It's just such an adventure, you know, and mm-hmm. you can do it in such a short amount of time. And I was like, I'm not interested in a 24-hour you know, 100-mile race with 30,000 elevation feet profile. And I know I represented a lot of people. And well, so yeah. I, I started mean, looking into, like, the whole, yeah. I was like, there's got to, like, mountain running, the quote-unquote trail run category in the outdoor industry is, like, booming. And I'm like, there's no entry-level events. They're all mud runs or relay runs or Spartans or obstacle courses. Are cool. Those are cool, too. But, you know, again, just not what I was looking for. And, um and a whole nother winter went by and I was in Iceland uh, on a ski trip and I had just hiked up to the top of this beautiful couloir overlooking like the Arctic uh, fjords and uh, I was just like this this cool like feeling of you know again satisfaction being at the top of the mountain and I was like I'm gonna go home and start that series and that was in March 15 so that summer in 2015 and uh, August and September, we had our first four races in uh, three in Utah, Alta, Snowbird, and Deer Valley, and one in Colorado at Crested Butte. And so that was three years ago, and now we're three years later cranking. And so, yeah, if you would have told me five or six years ago I'd have a, a mountain running series, you know, in four states and growing, I'd be like, what? <laughs> but you know, it all started with my dog and started with me hiking Mount Olympus. And, and really, you know, if you could trace it back to one single thing, it's getting this great dog and starting to, to hike Mount Olympus a lot. Okay, two very important questions. Number one, what kind of dog is it? She is an Argentinian breed called a Dogo, D-O-G-O. I know that kind of dog. They're adorable. Oh, cool. They're so cool. She's like a a tall long-legged more streamlined looking white pitbull yeah and they're they're like beautiful. red for yeah bred for hunting boars and pumas and packs so you can imagine she's a, a little trail monster she eats up the mountains oh i'm sure we have friends that have two of them and they're like 
the snuggliest dogs too though like they can run for miles but they want to like cuddle with you which is hilarious for like how they look that's way funny we call her like the land shark and at home (laughs) like this dog that like asks for blankets she has like three beds things aren't just right she'll be like hey i need a little more blanket over here Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah, Um, and then my second question is uh how'd you come up with the name of the cirque series um, I just, you know, it's all about getting to the peak and iconic summit, you know, and I thought Cirque, just cause I'm so used to skiing snowbird and so used to just traveling around on skis and just the idea of glacially formed mountains, which is like a Cirque. It just, it was perfect. You know, I thought I had a cool kind of, you know, Cirque series. It just sounds cool too, but it looks it does, cool yeah. like, graphically, but there's so many edges in the word Cirque. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it has the same letter amount of letters as series, so just all like the symmetry and the way it sounded and looked, it was just perfect. Yeah, I liked it because even what you were talking about with the post race party kind of element that was missing uh, when I saw it, my thought went to like Cirque du Soleil, and like then I'm thinking about sort of that like party <laughs> atmosphere. So it sounds, I feel like you you picked a name that like nails it. Yeah, pretty stoked. You know, it's funny because obviously I want to have something we could trademark, and so there's like 50 trademarks that Cirque du Soleil had locked up, but none of them were for foot races, luckily. So after consulting the trademark lawyers and all that, we applied and got our trademark. So oh, I'm like nice. way excited that uh, we were able to nail that too. Yeah, I'm I'm working through trademark stuff right now, and it is a hassle and a half. Holy moly. Definitely. It's a weird <laughs> landscape. It is. Especially, like, just with, yeah. I think, weirdly enough, like, internet, they haven't really figured out how to do anything with, like, what a website is or, like, oh, how that so weird. categorizes yeah. and stuff. It's ridiculous. But that's mm-hmm. totally <laughs> off off the <laughs> off the topic here. Um, yeah. So, in the, in the, you know, discussion of mountain running, um, help, running downhill. How does one do it? in a flowy, reasonable way. And like, I guess what are some, maybe the first thing is what are mistakes that people make in running downhill or down mountains? Well, I think that a huge thing that uh, helped me a ton was when I first got into it, I luckily ran into this awesome mountain, just random person on the trail. And he's like, Hey, heads up. I was just watching you run. He's like, you're heel striking a bit heavy on the way down like you need to start to hurt you don't have as much control he's like you need to try to land um you know like with 60 percent of your weight into the pads the front end of your feet uh, okay. like it activates all your muscles saves all your joints and you'll have way more control he's like it will feel kind of weird at first but then he's like trust me you'll be excited that uh you do it and so that alone like changed my whole downhill running um it's just you know it's it's pretty fast it's not like you're like you know awkwardly running on the front end of your feet downhill you know it's just you're still hitting your whole foot at once but you're definitely putting more of your weight into the front of your foot instead of instantly doing these hill strikes you know Mm -hmm. and it helps so much with muscle activation and control and just all the agility went way up and um i think that is like the coolest thing I heard about downhill running. That's a great one. I'm imagining just like Yoda in the woods, just like coming out from behind a tree to tell you this tip though. Oh yeah. It totally <laughs> was. It totally was. Yeah. It's, that's great. Um, and then I think, tell you a little tip. yeah, right. Um, to me, I think the biggest mistake I make when I down, like when I'm going downhill is like putting on the brakes and like my quads end up screaming by the end of it. Yeah, I'd say (laughs) that's more like when I, I mean, I'm, I'd say on the technical, I'm like pretty fast, but obviously with all the being in the scene now, I've met so many of these world-class mountain runners and they fly down the mountain. It doesn't matter if it's the service road or it's single track or it's high alpine scrambling, like they're so fast and they're all like, you just got to let gravity do its thing. Like, don't resist it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that's what they all say. They're yeah, just right? Like, yeah, you just got to kind of let your body weight fall down the mountain and put your feet underneath you. Yep. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't figured out that part. <laughs> yeah. I try to think I'm like controlled falling. That's really all it is. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, that's what they told me. So I guess that is the key, but I have not trusted myself to just roll with gravity yet. <laughs> and I, I mean, honestly, if, if you aren't trusting yourself, like, let's be real, how, how do the rest of us have any hope? Like you, you've made a career oh, out of know. going down hills, trusting that you're going to be able to land <laughs> jumps and you know do that on on skis. Yeah. No, well, no, the no only less. place I can do that, the only place I can do that is like the really technical stuff. I can actually fly down that stuff and let gravity do its thing. But that's it. Yep. <laughs> And then, I mean, okay, so we started this by talking about the fact that you went from 31 minutes getting up Mount Olympus to this one point to doing it in under 23 by the end of that season. Uh, so you've got to give us some advice on how to run uphill. I would say, you know, I, I find little landmarks. And so if I'm, like, heading up and I'll see, you know, I'll be like, so I'll be like, yeah, as soon as I get to that rock up there, I'm going to... I like to call it my grandpa jog. You know, I'll, I'll switch gears from like hiking as fast as I possibly can, like power hiking to, you know, that slow little shuffle, but it definitely is faster, you know? Yeah. So like, I'm going to do that from that rock up to that tree up there. And then I'm going to go back into full on as fast as I can hike mode. So I didn't, I don't suffer from, uh, or I don't, I want to, I don't slow down to a pace that I would have been faster if I would just hike the whole time, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of just repeat that as many times as possible up like your favorite uh, peak, and you'll get to the point where just your, you know, average heart rate gets lower. You're able to like facilitate and handle redlining on your heart rate better, um, and then you'll find that you just hit like new plateaus, uh, you know, without really realizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was huge for me. It was just being like, all right. I'm not going to just try to knock this whole hike out as fast as I can. Like I'm going to try to be strategic and completely push myself into my red zone many, many times on this hike, you know? So I'll like try to be in the orange as a base level and then hit these moments of red instead of just being orange the whole way up or being red and, and not having the ability to recover or have bursts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, where are you with mountain running compared to skiing? Like, are you actually training for mountain running now? Or is mountain running still just sort of informing your skiing in the winter? Or is it a mix? It's definitely, I'm definitely, you know, come wintertime, um, so full of passion for professional skiing and all about it, full, full speed attack. In uh, the summertime, the mountain running... You know, five, four or five years ago, I was taking it pretty serious. And that's when I, like, got second in that race and got all the races started. And now, kind of being a race director of the races, I still run all the races. So I still, I'm, like, way passionate about it. But I don't have, like, the time to, you know, develop a race schedule or really train all that seriously. But I still just love uh, going on hikes on all the Salt Lake benches. And leading up to the races this year... Uh, for about a month and a half, I had this funny hashtag that I tried to stick to, peak a day diet. So <laughs> to get in shape for the race season, I was like, I'm going to go hike a peak every single day for the next, like, you know, two months leading up to the first race. So when the races start, I can at least hang with the boys and just not get left in the dust because the first year or two of the races, I could kind of hang a little bit with uh, some of the faster guys. Mm-hmm. And then last year, my dog, Lexi, she actually had uh, ACL surgery. Aww. And so all my, you know, frequent peak hikes became frequent neighborhood walk, walk, you know, just around the block with her to get her mm-hmm. all healed up. But she's back. And so, yeah, for the peak a day diet, it was like, okay, I got to be in way better uh, racing shape than I was last year because I was usually just hanging out with my dog, trying to get her leg better. Um, so this year it feels way, it feels cool to, to be able to keep up with some of my favorites again, instead of them beating me by five or 10 minutes, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. 
Um, yeah. So as a skier, obviously we talked a little bit earlier about it when you were going to strength and conditioning, like to gear up for the season. Do you find, I mean, is there any crossover as far as like the strength and conditioning you were doing for skiing also happens to help mountain running? Or is there anything you do in the gym now for mountain running? Not really. I mean, the the gym, the we do a two month gym thing. My buddy started a Pilates like TRX gym uh, here in Salt Lake, and so I helped him kind of put together a cool program that he's been doing now for like four years. And you know, they went from one class that was selling out to I think they have like three now that are always full. So like, it's just this awesome mix of plyometrics and TRX and Pilates and um, a little bit of weight training and um that's cool because I find that mountain running is so dynamic uh, and you're obviously moving your body so much, which is cool. But at the same time, you know, it's static in ways that um, you find out when you start doing like really dynamic movements with Pilates and whatnot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if anything, I'd say that um, the one complements the other and um, obviously if you're in the routine of hiking a lot in the winter, um, going to the backcountry a lot and just skiing every day, like your baseline fitness is pretty awesome. Um, and then same thing with mountain running. I found that I got in the best shape of my life just by mountain running a ton. But obviously with that said, you need to make sure you're balancing it with, um, something that has good range of movement, mm-hmm. um, and obviously stretching. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. But it's kind of cool. I'm, like, finding definitely a lot of enjoyment right now in tracking where my fitness is at. Because, like I said, last year I kind of was just taking care of my dog. But mm-hmm. um, like this year, getting on board with, like, SP2 spirulina and just being able to, like, knock out big hikes and noticeably recover faster um, and just, like, be able to go do a pretty big peak every day has been really cool. And yeah, it's been, it's been cool. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, on, on that note, actually, I was obviously going to ask since, you know, you're partnering with SB2, you, you know, you care about not just like the training, but then also how you're fueling it. So what would you say your kind of overall like food philosophy is? You know, I'm not a person that just is like, I have to, schedule my meals or I need to eat um, fair trade organic at all times. I just think I have a pretty balanced intake um, and, you know, I avoid highly processed foods. I avoid fast food. I avoid anything that would be considered, you know, high fructose or just crap. Mm -hmm. But after a big day in the mountains, like I definitely love coming down and having like a beer and a burger. You know, but yeah. <laughs> in in definitely making sure that I'm getting my smoothie with my BCAAs and my spirulina and banana and, um, and down the line and, and definitely eat a ton of great organic food, lots of fruit and veggies and and uh, it's it's like a it's definitely a balance. I'm definitely not the most strict person, but I am about just not eating total crap. You know, I'm not going to eat crap, but I'm not also the guy that schedules all his meals and or only adhere to like <laughs> taking the diet super serious, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I started working a bit with SP2, I thought what was really interesting is a lot of the people I talked to actually, I, I assumed that if you were eating spirulina, you were probably a vegan because the only time I ever came across it was when I was a vegan. So it's been kind of actually really interesting to see that, okay, no, not everyone that's using it is in fact eating a vegan diet. Like, it actually is quite good, even if you're not, right? Like, Totally, yeah. But, but spirulina it, just has that, like, hippie kind of connotation to it, right? Like, <laughs> very old school. Yeah, I think that, like, endurance athletes or just people that are used to, uh, that are eager just to perform better or recover better, if they hear from certain types of people, it'll help. And then I don't care if it's like some protein powder or it says spirulina, like people are just interested in recovery and being like, you know, optimal in performance. And mm-hmm. so if it says spirulina, then so be it. Cause just since I've been using it for the past two or three months, 
Um, I've had a lot of friends that uh, are actually even just not, they're like opposite of vegetarians, but they're like, oh, what's this stuff, you know? Yeah. Which is cool to see. Yeah. So how do you use it? Is it just in smoothies or do you do it in bowls or what are your top uses? I got one of those killer Blendtec blenders and I just do in the mornings um, some electrolytes, BCAAs, and usually um, spirulina with, you know, a little bit of yogurt, a little bit of water, um, maybe some chia, um, maybe some carrots, maybe some kale, um, and just try to try to pack that into into one one cup and maybe some CBD if I have that around. Nice, all yeah, in but one. Definitely I like smoothies. It. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do one of those a day, and then if it was a big day, I might blend up just like a banana and a spirulina and some honey and some water like in the evening. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we've we've been using it pretty regularly, and I I really like it a lot. Yeah, that's cool. It's been pretty much the consensus, which is awesome. And mm-hmm. like the guy that's been our overall Cirque Series winner for the first three seasons, Brett Hells, he just did our last race on last Saturday at Alta. He had the course record of high fifty nines. 59 minutes which is insane that he could go to the top of Baldy and back down in oh, wow. minutes but uh yeah and he's been on the spirulina now for about a month and he just knocked off a minute plus off the course oh. record on Saturday which none of us thought like I didn't even know if he could even break an hour ever again because it seems so insane but he did like 58 17 and broke his own thing yeah and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know if we can pinpoint it to, you know, starting to take spirulina out of nowhere, but maybe you can. So. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so outside of, of spirulina in your smoothie, um, what are, I always, I always like hearing about this, especially because obviously I'm just getting into mountain running, so I'm still kind of like figuring out the gear part of the equation. So... Uh-huh. Any like favorite gear that you just like have for every run? Do you use poles also? Uh, so I'm like a minimalist for sure with what I bring on mountain runs. See, Even me, like my girlfriend is like, that's why I like, I'm yeah. so excited to hear this. <laughs> cool. I'm glad to hear that too. Cause, um, we'll head out for pretty big day missions and my girlfriend will be like, you seriously not going to bring water? I'm like, no, I'm good. Cause I'll have, like a full like 36 ounce um you know i'll drink that in the in the car as we get there mm-hmm. and then i'll have uh like a 36 ounce bottle of water waiting in the car as soon as i get back with like electrolytes in it you know mm-hmm. and so i just want to be as agile as possible you know and uh it's there's definitely been a few runs where i'm like i'm definitely like probably should have some water on me, but (laughs) for the most part, (laughs) it works pretty good. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I I need to have like killer shoes, you know, that are definitely like mountain running, high Alpine shoes. I can't have like hard sold road, road running shoes. I can't have the wrong shoes or else I find that, uh, it hurts my body and I'm just not nearly as like nimble or confident. Uh, cruising around yeah what is your shoe so, like, of having, choice uh i love on running cloud venture peak shoes okay they are really badass i probably i probably have like four pair that i rotate between right now and i've gone through probably like 15 in the last two years but i love them um and yeah just a killer you know lightweight polypro shirt and uh and shorts killer shorts that like can hold a phone on the inside of like the pocket mm-hmm. and they have to be a little longer i've always gotten crap people like rocks basketball shorts for so long and all these runners <laughs> are like dude you're, you're in the wrong scene man you gotta get you gotta change your shorts up but i did finally this year i went from basketball shorts to just like uh i guess they're running shorts but they're still like eight inches longer than most of these running guys so yep. um yeah 
it's pretty funny. But, yeah, uh, I've, you know, uh, I've I think tried that. <laughs> God, uh, I just said uh, I've seen lots of really cool running vests. Um, I've seen lots of people use poles, and even on our tour, we have um, you know demos for pole companies, and I think a lot of people are into it. And mm-hmm. we don't have any restrictions on poles. And I think, you know, I've tried them on one and I really liked it on the steep uphills. Um, yeah, we kind of see everything. Yeah, I'm like in pretty big pole. Like I'm like in debate with the poles because like I have a 50K coming up and I'm like, oh, maybe for that, it might actually be nice to have a little bit of extra support. Yeah, especially at the end, maybe, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, like, they're thin enough, like, and I'm going to have to wear a run vest for that anyway. I'm like, I could just stick them in the vest and then yeah, I have to run off more stuff. That right? uh, Killington, Vermont. It's part of uh, Alt, um, Under Armour's Mountain Run series. Cool. That looks like a fun one. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for it. I've never done that distance before, so it'll be interesting. Um, nice. Yeah. That's another thing that's been fun about our races is I'll see people now that are like man you're my first race we did was you know two years ago and they're like i just signed up for my first 50k man i'm really excited so it's like fun to have an event that's like a you know a gateway Mm -hmm. to have a um, long future and doing some of the the longer races it's kind of fun to have us as like a stepping stone I think that's awesome, and I think you're exactly right. Like, I'm as soon as you said that there weren't any rate of mountain runs around that were like shorter, I was like, no, that can't be right. And he was like, wait, <laughs> no, I really hadn't heard of mountain running outside of like 50k was almost like the shortest mountain run that I could find. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty wild, and it's funny too because like I'm like, for each race, I'll go out and you know venue and kind of architect the coolest route and i usually want it to be the most like direct and intuitive um route to the peak mm-hmm. and then i'll do like a gpx file and then like for each race i want to do a course preview then i'll go out with like a sponsored runner just something really interesting um to put that out there uh then i'll mark the course um and then i'll run the race so for like each race i'll spend you know a good six or seven uh, full laps to to make sure it's like perfect, you know? And sometimes we'll be up there, it's like 11 p.m. and there's, you know, maybe a class encounter with a moose or <laughs> just some pretty gnarly moments of exposure or, you know, having to knock out tons and tons of communication the entire day on, on the phone with all kinds of people leading up to the race. And then the race day itself and tracking all the moving parts. And every once in a while, I'm like, man, if, like, another group wants to come along and try to throw mountain running races, like, the way we do, I'm like, like, all power to you. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but luckily I just love it and I got the passion for it. So it's like a motivating energy uh, versus, like, a exhausting kind of energy. Yeah, for sure. And okay, so this kind of leads to the last couple of questions I had. And the one was, you also have, I mean, your whole ski career, you have a clothing company, you're an ambassador for a bunch of different organizations. How the hell are you balancing all of that stuff? Uh, well, the easy answer is it all points back to just loving the mountains. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's a creative outlet with the company or a way to be in the mountains with the races and um, kind of an overlapping backbone of just, you know, being a good professional. And mm-hmm. I, I enjoy being a professional and I feel like, you know, there's lots of people that love mountain running or run businesses or love to ski, but I definitely feel like I understand that aspect of it better than the next person. So I feel like all the organizations and brands that I have relationships with, I think they always just really respect my punctuality and professionalism and that creates long-lasting relationships but it all just is fueled by loving the mountains and mm-hmm. um you know it's just like a never-ending battery charge <laughs> and if all of it revolves around 
being able to be in the mountains, it's just like, uh, it's like a, you know, um, there's no like exhaustive, uh, aspect to it. Cause it's all so motivated. It's all like so fun and so refreshing and mm-hmm. so cool, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I get that. Um, yeah. And then the last question is your clothing band brand, Discreet Clothing. Uh, it boasts having the best-looking beanie. How, how <laughs> is it the best-looking beanie? I mean, I've looked, and I'm I'm now into the beanies. I'm like, I need to get one of yeah. these. But <laughs> yeah. Well, when I started it, uh, you know, like 10 years ago, in the ski scene, there's a lot of, almost all brands are pretty loud. You know, lots of lightning bolts and... Mm-hmm flames and just too much logo action too much pattern too much uh it's like man where's like the simple cool like levi brand mm-hmm. of skiing uh simple style you know consistent minimal logo and, and branding and just quality products that are mostly solid and earthy colors and just you know real real chill and just a good reflection of having you know the i want i want people to wear discreet to like amplify the person not someone to wear discreet and feel like they're defined by our product you know and so it's i feel like just a cool mellow mountain company that makes you know the beanies that fit just right and have just the right styles and um you know that's that's what we are and it's fun to put out cool beanie line and headwear each year and and uh you know we do tons of uh projects for other other companies so we'll do like we just call our private label but we'll make beanies and hats and flannels or whatever for brew houses and coffee shops and, and down the line and that part of the business is taken off a lot so it's fun just to have a business that we can have a really cool defined vision and scope of like we're a killer outdoor headwear brand and we make great stuff for other companies that want branded goods and we throw mountain races so between the three Cirque series our private label and just discreet inline clothing business uh it's fun to to have all three things going on and just start to really make those processes efficient and like i said it's fun to be creative um in that world as well yeah i mean i'll i'll say as someone who loves a i just got like the name discreet i was like oh wow the brand you're describing is so discreet up oh, yep that's where the name came from yeah uh, so <laughs> point number one point number two i was like looking at it earlier and it's like i love that like four of the like five in the like that are in the top line there are like all different variations on like grays and like yeah. i will mm-hmm. my color palette is from white to black there is no like and shades of gray in between. I don't do color, so I was like, I love this. This is yeah, because it is so hard to find a good beanie that's in like a nice like neutral gray. Yep, I'd say probably seventy percent of everything we make is, you know, the gray to black scale. Ugh, that's my language right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, and yeah, where where can everyone find all of this stuff online? Well, the races are CircSeries.com, mm-hmm. and you can find discreet, uh, discreetclothing.com, and you can find uh, on Instagram, just Julian Carr, at Julian Carr, uh, at CircSeries, and at Discreet. Awesome. Oh, man, I'm so glad we uh, we got to do this. It was, I'm excited because I get to do, you know, kind of double duty. We have a sweet mountain run podcast, and I get to do sweet articles for SP2. It's it's all good. Pretty good mix. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's part of the fun of, uh, of the races. Yeah. Is that working with cool brands. Like mm-hmm. I said, that's the complete absence of a good hangout afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I borrowed from skiing was, you know, as anybody knows, when you go for a full day, a uh, fun time skiing, you want to have a little opre. Mm-hmm. So you want to celebrate the, the fun you had that day, the adventures you had that day. So to have a race that 
there's ages, you know, we've had 10 through 71 now, uh, you know, Olympians and pro runners and everybody in between. And for a race to make sense for all those types of people to come together in one place and then summit the same peak together and then come down and have fun brands and companies and organizations that are down in the village with great music and, and food and beverage and bring that kind of opera vibe to mountain running. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think anyone that does our races will say that the, the hangout is just as much as fun as the race itself. And so, um, you know, it's the same world-class mountains that people celebrate by operating, skiing around in them. So it's like, why wouldn't we celebrate those same world-class mountains just in the summer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fun to, to meet brands like SB2 and, and down the line. Um, I want to come and interact, and if people are part of this scene, it's pretty easy to align and, and go hang out and, and meet the people and the brands uh, mm-hmm. to go to a Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. Well, it seems like you're, you're kind of living the dream here. <laughs> yeah, definitely trying to be outdoors as much as I can. And yeah. So far, it's all working out, so I'm, I'm fired up. Awesome. All right, well, thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, definitely. Hope to see you to race soon and good luck at the 50K. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think by next year I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to come out for the Cirque Series. That seems shorter and more yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all fun, but yeah, definitely try to make it out for the awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right, take care. Okay, see you. Bye. The Consummate Athlete Podcast is part of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Supporting Wide Angle Podium gets you access to podcasts like ours and keeps your favorite shows on the air and constantly improving. You also get access to rad bonus content when you donate. Check out WideAnglePodium.com for show information, other Wide Angle Podium podcasts, and to become a donating member with awesome bonuses. You'll help support the Consummate Athlete Podcast and every donation helps us keep improving the quality of the show. Again, that URL is wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Thanks for any support. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, Uh, Do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. Takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.